What a bliss is short-lived for Jean and Jean when John, the ruler of the land, sticks his nose and his dick where it doesn't belong, sending John, not Jean, straight into the arms of Jean, a.k.a. the devil, in John to Jean's psychedelic Jean John. I mean, Belladonna of Sadness. <laughs> I mean, I, that actually was throwing me for a loop right off the bat. Like, why did, yeah. why did we have to have Jean and Jean? Do they know there are multiple names? There are two named characters in this film, and they have one name between them. We're already off on an interesting foot. We really are. And we're going to be talking about it on the show after the intro of the show, which happens after this. Okay. Are you ready to go? Welcome, Nakamadomo, to Akashina Podcast Anime with Friends. I am your host, Jean, and with me is the man even the devil don't mess with, Gene. <laughs> that's, that's not quite how it goes. <laughs> I think Gene uh, got messed Sabrina with Ray. quite a bit, That's actually. Dawn. What did you say? I think Gene got messed with quite a bit, frankly. Yeah, he did. Wow, he really did. You know what? <laughs> I, I was just saying you. You don't get messed with. Well, not like that, oh, poor man. Stuff. Uh, can I call you Bella Donna of Sadness? Because that's what we're covering today. Oh, please. It's too early in the It's like I chose the titles that we'd cover based entirely upon whether I could pun them off your name. Ah, oh, God. Sometimes I do feel that's the way it goes. But that's not all. We don't just have a Sabrina and a Dawn and a Jean and a John. We have a Jay. It's me, the devil, I think. I, I'm trying to think of someone else had a name in this. We're just going to go with I'm the devil. I'm pretty sure that was the only one left. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 somehow this was always the role I was born to play. I always knew one way or another it would come down to this. I didn't know it would be quite so phallic a satanic uh, manifestation. But you know what? We, we take the hand we are dealt. Which came first, Manos, Hands of Fate, or the, the flying squirrel devil in... Or, or Satanos, Head of Dick, in, yeah. In uh, Belladonna of Sadness. Who, who, who among us can say? It's, it, it, it's really a tomato-tomato situation. I'm trying to remember Manos, the Hands of Fate, enough to continue this joke on, and I can't, and I'm sorry. He wore this, like, cape that, like, yeah, okay. went down from his arms, yeah. almost, like, at the wrist, and it had, like, a giant handprint on the back, yeah. and I can just imagine the devil in uh, in the Belladonna of Sadness having a very similar, like, maybe they go to the, sh- the same tailor, the I, same yeah. demonic tailor. I, I, can, I can picture the devil in the scene, not to get ahead of ourselves, but where he's emerging out of the flames during the big thing, just dead ass wearing that. Like that, that, if you were to tell me that was in that scene, I would in fact believe you. <laughs> yes. Anyway, the person talking right now, if you'll shut up for a second. <laughs> uh, you have no idea who, you, who you've invited on your show this evening. Is the host of Marmoset Chronicles and uh, the future host of something called Dish Course, which we're going to be talking about. Jay, what the heck is your last name? Pepsi. Yeah, no, it's Pepsi. That's fine. Pepsi works. Oh, Pepsi. I said Gatsby, but Pepsi Pepsi works too. you're friends with Jory, right? I, I'm friends with I'm friends with most of the network. If you want it, the the brief version is I knew Wheels from Got It Memorized, and then I heard 
that uh, that Joe, who runs the network, did it was doing a comedy podcast about Bionicle, and Bionicle is one of the weird facets of my childhood, and so I became friends with everyone. I am friends with everyone through the uh, the conduit of a strange Lego franchise from two thousand and one. But yeah, hi, I'm Jay. It's happy to be. It's happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. It's, <laughs> Jay, it's so happy to be here. It is. It is. I know you're. I know your pronouns are he, they, but you're yeah. just going to throw it's in there. Sure. I'll, 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 we, we are, we are happy to be here. Uh, well, what is, what is the one? I just finished bug snacks an hour ago. What's the one say? One is happy to be here. Um, it, it's, it's, I'm throwing a lot out here. I know, but yeah, no, uh, hi, I'm Jay host of various things, perpetual guest. Happy to be here. Nuzlocker of things. And today talker of, well, this this fascinating movie. Well, this let's just talk. Let's relic just... of its time. <laughs> Indeed. Let's talk a little bit about you, Jay, first, just so our audience gets sure. a sense of who you are. Where'd you grow up? Where'd I grow up? Okay, sure. Um, I am an upstate New York boy. Uh, so uh, the Adirondacks, if that means anything from you, uh, I can't talk. Um it's one of those things where obviously New York has more than just the city, but you have to tell people that. Uh, basically, I grew up in the half of New York that is the woods. So it's a <laughs> lot of just small towns. That I, I still I work in the news in that area now. So now it's a lot of me reporting on those small towns and their lovely little small town problems. I live like an hour north of Albany. I'm less than that now, but I'm from an hour north of Albany if people sometimes i blow people's mind by telling them that albany is actually the capital of new york and new york city is not uh but that is indeed the case so yeah I, i'm from i'm from that general area um what can i tell you i was a creative writing major in college for what at one point in time i wanted to be a game journalist uh a fact with sabrina you, you and i were talking about before we started here uh i wrote for a website called hey poor player for a while because of that i went to school up in potsdam which is a very small town Near Canada, uh, the only good part of that was that it was near Canada, which meant there was some form of escape in my mind. Um, I, I don't know what, what else. What else? What else can I say about myself? I mean, is it really an escape from Albany to Canada? <laughs> depends on where you're going in Canada. Uh, depends how old you are. You know, like like I definitely had the advantage of you know being 18 and not legally being drinking age in America. I'm pretty sure that once you drive north of Manhattan, you're no longer an American. <laughs> Well, I have bad news for you. I am some sort of ambiguous foreign agent. Well, at least you uh, got health care. Uh, yeah. Oh, I man, that, that hurts. Sorry. I wish. When did you discover anime and what was the anime that sort of like lit your fire? Sure, definitely. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I am I am of the generation where like Pokemon was becoming a thing when I was very young. I'm I'm 25, so like Pokemon was in my childhood, Yu-Gi-Oh was in my childhood, Digimon was in my childhood. What what's what I always think is so funny and like I, any generation I think has some version of this like going back the last few de- couple decades at least. I didn't know that that was anime. I didn't know that it was that was part of a whole subculture on the other side of the world until I, I don't know, like I was 13. Um, so yeah, it, it, Pokemon has kind of defined my life. Like Pokemon is like the biggest like through line thing I've been a fan of since I was a kid, you know? Um, so that was definitely a big one. Right. You do the, you do the podcast champs in the making champs as in well. The, making, uh, the, the way I met wheels. Who's also from the network was because of a Pokemon podcast. We were both on when they were like 16 and I was 14 or something like that. Nice. Don, we have a baby. This is a literal baby. 
Well, you know. Don and I grew up with a comic book store 40 minutes from us that carried one shelf of anime and you could order your anime through like a catalog. I mean, you oh were watching God. anime on VHS that you had delivered in the mail, if I recall. Um, and yeah, got to watch packages, that. no labeling. I, I <laughs> Very discreet. Yeah, I didn't have any of that. I mean, I... I saw things at your house and whatever was on Saturday morning cartoons, that was pretty much all we got to start. Not that I'm saying we had it better in our day because we clearly no. did not. <laughs> but the, the difference is that the one of the first anime that I saw was like porn. It was called <laughs> Rotsuki Doji, The Legend of the Overfiend. Oh, oh I know this. Yeah, okay. And it was like demon dicks everywhere. Mm-hmm. I've heard of this Demon one. dicks that sucked people in. And I like, I had no idea. Like this was one of the, this was like Ninja Scroll, that and Akira. It was a very like, formative very moment themed, for Sabrina. <laughs> very adult themed anime. Cause yeah. like the anime I grew up with that was anime that we've talked about on the show before, like um, not Gulliver's Travels. I forget what it's called. The Cities of Gold, like stuff that was, I didn't even know it was anime when I was watching it. Um, but Jay, you grew up with like Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff. And here tonight, we're going to be talking about something uh, on the very opposite end of that spectrum, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you make some really strange <laughs> connections between I- Yu-Gi-Oh and the story of Jean and John and their struggles with authority. <laughs> yeah, no, Yu-Gi-Oh! I, I did make some interesting connections watching this. Uh, Yu-Gi-Moto and his dueling friends are not involved, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would yeah. imagine so. Yeah. Don, you're probably the best person to ask to take us into this because you you have a flowery way of speaking about these things. Can you tell us a little bit about the movie we're watching? Uh, we watched today, Belladonna of Sadness. Belladonna of Sadness. Boy, it uh, <laughs> it doesn't start the way that one might be used to anime starting. And I think it is helpful to temper one's expectations when going into this movie. It is more, um, it is more cerebral and, uh, and I'll have some more unkind words for it a little later. Um, less, it's certainly not action driven. It's not clear that it's plot driven either, but, uh, <laughs> with me. uh the, the movie starts with a, a brief introduction of our of our hero, Jean and John, who uh, love each other very much, and they are going to get married. Uh, and we have these very consistent, long sort of panning shots that are less anime, in my mind, than they are just sort of um, long, slow shots of scenery that someone painted. Yeah, uh, it's sort of a watercolor look. Yeah, it's and I actually don't I don't really find fault with the the style of animation of this flick for any number of reasons. I don't know what the original budget was, I don't know what the conception was, and um in the sort of heavy way in which or the heady way in which it treats its subjects, like the this is a a storytelling style or a I should say sort of a I've seen other comics or cartoons from that era and they do a lot of this. Like this is not unique to, um, to Belladonna of Sadness. And as well, I would say, you know, having previously we referred, uh, reviewed hands off the Azokan, you know, it, 
it can cost a lot to have those animated scenes. So I'm sure they saved quite a few pennies when they were shooting the first, oh, I don't know, 30 minutes of the movie. But did you did you see the production time for this film was like six years? Well, again, it, I mean, how many, it's like the Azokan, how many people were working on it? <laughs> I mean, they must have had to paint like a lot. Yeah. They made some interesting artistic choices. Yeah. And it was actually the third part of a series of sort of pushes towards getting adults. The audience for these movies was meant to be adults more so than than just like a mature audience. Like uh, a, when I'm saying adult, I mean like the adult industry. Yes. Like, you know, well, well, I, I'm curious. Do you mean um, adult in the sense of... Uh, it's not porno exactly. It's not, but not though. It, it, yeah, well, it's not, not. It's erotica. It, yeah. I would say. Well, and the two previous films were had a little bit more of a comedic bend because they were created by Osamu Tezuka, who is like the father of manga in Japan, right? So we we delve a little past the the plot details here, and I actually don't think it'll take us long to go through this because. Oh, no, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did interrupt. I just no, no, wanted no, no, to make no. sure I, that we. No, were... I think there's. I think we definitely want to have those digressions, but we we are introduced to Jean and John, um, the <laughs> the female and the male of the species. They um, they look young and healthy. They're in love with each other. She's a virgin, and they go to the local. Um, lords or lord of the the area um to seek his blessing and i think this this was a thing like the 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 local uh lord sort of had command of all of his servants all he he provided the military might did he also provide the coolio gangsta's paradise hairdo the the headdress uh if you will (laughs) if i'm being charitable that that was the headdress and not some malformed head that he managed to sprout i think that was bone that's just me i think that was straight up part of his skull it was pretty rough so he goes there he's clear the, the court is old and um worldly and full of sort of higher mightier than thou higher than thou characters yeah, who are it seemed very pious oh well pious but also in a um in a look down upon others Absolutely. way not in a um religious fervor sort of way and uh what happens is they the the in order to marry the couple needs to provide an offering to the king they they have sold their one cow they brought the money related to that uh, and the the lord demands 10 cows uh recompense for the marriage uh, to go forward and they they plead poor they don't have the money and so uh the it is the mistress uh the, the lord the lady of the house declares well what shall happen is all the members of the king's castle shall take their pleasure for uh at for of jean and and then she can then the marriage is permitted um and this is sort of an invocation of uh prima nocte which I guess is yes, yes, right out of Braveheart, right? That's the most common um, pop culture. I would say that's the pop culture reference, but it was the thing which was occasionally, you know, weird old lords. Well, did. I'm not suggesting that a movie from 1973 referenced Braveheart from it 19, sure didn't from the 1990s. I am. Let me tell you my theory about film time travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just speak to each other across time, but I mean, it's a really a horrible custom where lords can sleep with the the bride on the marriage night and then you know then then she's off limits i guess in the in the eyes of god which is basically just weird old guys sleeping with young women uh, but anyway the 
we go right into some very graphic. I, graphic isn't the right word because nothing is really graphic in the art style of this. Jay, do you have something to say about that? It's it's evocative. Evocative also doesn't feel like the right word. It, oh God, no. Yeah, you're kind of you're avoiding saying it turned you on, right? All right let's not do that. But like, it, it definitely, it, you know, it, I don't think it was meant to glorify what was happening. But I, I thought it was conveying it in like a visually really unique way. I guess. Yes. It, it, I wouldn't say tasteful, but like creative with how to convey exactly what's happening in a way that is really raw and like, oh god. Yeah, but raw not and feel like you are literally witnessing the act quite. Yeah, and it like, and it's it is brutally metaphoric. Um like sure. it it, it yeah. shows it, it it shows Gene literally being torn apart by this horrible set of actions. And and that was brutal. It, I and, mean it and it really sets the tone for the movie. This is not this is where you, you know, you're seeing this movie is not nice. This movie is not kind. This movie is going to be about the brutal and harsh truths of medieval life, I suppose. It was also kind of beautiful, though, because the the way she was being torn apart was very literal. And it was also figurative in a sense that the, the, the pieces of her that were tearing apart were turning into birds uh, and fluttering off. Yes, I, that was part of the scene. The, the bit of artistic license that I was not a fan of is, boy, that rape scene uh, took a fair amount of time. Um, we spent a lot of time animating that rape scene. <laughs> and I don't Animating? Even think was, well, at least we had animation here and we weren't just panning across long shots. That's true. But um, Gene escapes from the castle or is driven from the castle once everyone's taken their pleasure with her. She returns home. John is not very supportive, I would say. He he initially says, we'll just put this behind us. It's our last day. And then immediately, like, strangles her a little for fun. I don't know. Oh, yeah. That was a little odd. I You could spend a lot of time was talking about Was that a reference that. to Evan Gellion? <laughs> it was not. It God was clearly it. not. But, I um, got Braveheart in here. Why not? But the I, I think that this is not uncommon. It's like... Jean, if we're going to talk about Jean as a character and his particular flaws, he didn't want this to happen. Uh, and he's, he is trying to look past it. And he, this is him. It, it, they convey it as if it's almost unconscious. He doesn't, he barely knows what he's doing, but he, you know, he's furious about it. He partially blames her, even though she is not to blame and wishes that he could just, you know, snuff the whole episode out of existence, which of course involves snuffing her out of existence, um, which is not a nice thing to do to somebody who said, let's just put this in our past and move on. Yeah, it's it's an act of helplessness in a setting that automatically puts blame on female and villainizes women, as we see as we get into a lot more of what the movie is doing. There, it's interesting here. There was a, a very moodiness about this. Jean is out of the house. Jean basically removes her tattered clothing, begins to clean herself up, and does some sort of initial weaving. Um, and then... Then the devil shows up. I, I don't know, JD. Do you want? want to, <laughs> he's very I mean, this small is your, at the beginning. <laughs> he is. Yes. He's very small, though. He is suggestive. JD, want to? I mean, this is your character. You want to? You want to yes. talk about? Yes, it is me, the devil, or as the uh, as the description for this movie online describes him, an erotic sprite of the devil. <laughs> and I just enjoy the phrase "erotic sprite" very much. Uh, and he is one. He he manifests. There, there is some. Uh, you, you're talking about like like sort of what is still versus what actually is animated 
in this movie, which I have more thoughts on that we can come back to. But uh, yeah, he is like very fluidly animated in these early shots. He's kind of moves like vapor through her hand. He sort of jerks himself off in his hand in her hand. Uh, he uh, just just grasps right onto her nipple at one point. Just has a whole lot of fun with her while talking to her about. Or the nipple might be later. Uh, just has a lot of very direct, directly charged uh, fun around her while sort of attempting to be, you know, while sort of being this traditionally devilish, coercing figure, um, which I, I, I thought was like directed very well um, in, in terms of like, I don't know. She she's being haunted by a little penis. What do you want me to say about the little penis? I mean, there were a couple. I was cool with the little penis. It it was so. I thought it was a couple of things interesting. He kept saying, "You know, you were the one who called me here. You're the one who wanted the power." And I want to come back to that because this is not our first scene with the devil. Um, I did find it odd that you know he he is sort of touching her. He's embracing her, as you mentioned. He, He. sucks on her nipple he then pleasures her which given the time frame that seems to have passed like after you've been raped within an inch of your life in the castle and then it does not feel like a lot of time has passed i don't think you would generally be down with future sexual relations regardless of who it's with even if we're talking about a a teeny little demon Um, but uh, you know that and i will say the only time in this movie that we see um, Jean taking any pleasure of her own is when she's with the devil. Is Jean possibly masturbating some of this? Is this symbolically her choosing to not be with? So, yeah, I, I, th- that that's that's where my head went as well. Is is that, again? This goes to the sort of the sort of like you know villainization of the feminine that happens a lot in these kinds of settings. Happen a lot, you know. This is why witches. This is why we had witch burnings in real life. This is, um, you know, watching this movie, I thought a lot about uh, the witch, the 2015 horror movie, which also, oh, ex- which is very similarly pointed in a lot of ways to this. I feel like um, across a 50, 60 year time gap, I can't do math. Um, 40 year time gap, but it explores a lot of the same things. And yeah, I, I think that's very much what it is. Whether the devil is literal or not, I almost think it doesn't matter if the devil is literally there. I, I, I think the, the idea that – because, you know, the devil also says, I am you to her. And so I, I feel like the idea is very much yes. that she is finding a degree of comfort, salvation, name it, whatever you want, through herself in a way that is to be looked down upon by others and eventually leads her to other things that are looked down upon by her husband, by the Lord, by the kingdom, by, by a lot of people. And that could impact how you sort of read the story as it goes on and towards the end when yeah. she says that she wants everything and that she's, you know, uh, she sort of comes into her power. Um, I know I'm jumping ahead of the plot. Yeah, you jumped I, I ahead. Like we are a lot. Rather a lot, but that's fine. But I don't mind circling back to it afterward, but I, I yeah. feel like you have to connect those two pieces be- to understand why I might be saying that it's her realizing her power and then sort of, I, I'm going to say that the, the, the Baron, as he's referred to in the English Wikipedia, which may not entirely be accurate, but the, uh, the, this is based on a novel, right? So the, the sorcerer or the sorcery, 
I forgot. Either a novel or a, um, just an old fable of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe loosely based on, but probably that character is just supposed to represent male or patriarchal power of some kind. Because at one point, John, uh, I didn't really understand this part. And I wonder if you guys can help me. Mm. The Belladonna is, is it a cure or is it a poison that she's using to kill people and take them away from their misery? So is she like a, what do they call those? Uh, An avenging angel? No, a death angel. It doesn't, it's not clear to me that she kills anyone. Uh, but but the old lady that comes and like has those crazy eyes and says that like she got the cure for the plague or whatever. Like she said she was she wanted her son back if i recall the oh the old lady yeah. right? And what happened was she went to Jean and we've we've skipped way ahead for those following along at home. She went to Jean uh and Jean cried with her and gave her some medicine and she was able to see and what she was able to see was the devil who was also crying over her lost son and this is actually one of the most uh interesting slash weird parts of the of the movie the she's relating these facts to the the courtly manner the 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 lord house of lords um and the the Lord is listening to this. The late, the lady of the house is listening to this. And they're like, well, what, you know, you didn't get your son. What did you get? I got the devil. I got to see the devil crying over the loss of my son. And they said, and that was enough. And she said, yes, that was enough. That made me feel better. And I thought that was, that was I sort of. I missed that. <laughs> I'm doing that thing where it goes straight over my head. Cause I think I just, I missed that part. No, I mean, that was, I thought that bit was absolutely fascinating. Um, but I was going to say that, that John becomes a, Gene John, John becomes a character more so out of the pagan mythology absolutely. than any kind of Christian mythology. Sure, definitely. Or a pre, like, you know how, like, we talk about how Lilith was, like, before Eve was the first wife of Adam, like, that's sort of, like, um, unspoken of history, like more in touch with nature, more in, uh, more mystical than uh, than sort of like the very staunch, very serious, very dark, very dour, very controlling church presence. I would I, I'm trying to remember what happened after they spoke with this woman who had talked about her like uh, I'm, French I'm Revolution, to... I believe. <laughs> no, no. No, but it, it was that point. I think that was the point at which they decided to send in Jean to convince Jean that you know that, that was their that was their final card. They sent Jean in to try to lure they, they were like, well we can't advance on her. We can't bring the troops because all the all the townsfolk support her and you know and she can just escape into the woods. Mm-hmm. So they said we will send uh, Jean to lure her out. Well, first, first, you, you, uh, we skipped over this, but there's a a squire I think who like ripped her dress off way earlier in the movie, who shows up and says, uh, "Hey, I want I want to make love to the, uh, the the lady, the the wife of the lord, the the lordess, um, and and I want you to give me a potion that'll let this happen." And then he is he they are both killed in 
the the resulting drugged lovemaking. And so then the the Lord kind of kind of in rage over that happening, but it almost seems like he's just more fed up. <laughs> then is like, all right, send in Gene. If nothing else works, you're right. This, you're right. This man will, that's yeah. another. And, that's another moment that you can look at and say that that she was like, Jean John was becoming like a girl boss. <laughs> She's going around with her fly green coat <laughs> with the collar popped. That coat. Okay. The I, I I know we're just like flying around wildly through this. The all the imagery around that coat is such a cool look. I I love I I really like the visuals of this movie a lot. Um, it, it really worked for me. And that right there, like that sort of just stark green devil of a woman, genuinely trying to help people's lives in this town while the other woman is away at war. It's it's just such an image. I'm, I love it. Yeah, that's the thing. She's being helpful. <laughs> I mean, I would argue there is never a point in the entire movie where Jean performs an action that would hurt or hurts anybody deliberately. And in fact, the devil keeps coming to her and says, "You want power. You you know you've called me. You want this power." And whatever power she is getting, she never uses to for ill intent. You know, she doesn't, she cures people of the plague. She, um, she starts she, an amazing psychedelic orgy at one point. She does. Like I mean, I actually want to get back to, you know, when we have to talk about that, but well, let's let Don I finish actually want to, I want to dive into to me, the absolute weirdest scene in this <laughs> You want to dive into you? No, thank you. This is a show about... That, that's what the devil was telling John to do. It, yeah. yeah. I, I want to... Uh, we were going to switch to the the Crash Into Me Dave Matthews Band song. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> and we'll spend about five minutes Why? on that. Well, you... Oh, no. So, the, the scene I want to refer to is after Gene becomes the, the money lender and she's... Rule, she rules the town effectively through her, her skills. And then she's driven from the town and John won't let her in to his own home, to her own home. And they're out there trying to find her and imprison her in the dungeon. And so she runs through tunnels. Her clothing is ripped away rather suggestively by brambles for some reason. She finds herself all alone. And then the, the devil makes his final manifestation um, as essentially this huge penis-headed beast um, and says, you know, you are finally ready to accept me. You have rejected everything. And Jean says, I, you know, I want you, basically she just says, I want you to do something bad. And he laughs. And then she gives herself over to him and she, you know, her body basically melts away as she's having sex with this horrible demon slash devil creature. And they, they there's, again, the imagery is, it is both literal and suggestive. It is metaphorical and um, lurid and graphic. It is, you know, yeah. she's having, you know, soul-consuming sex. And then the scene, I mean, th- it was at this point I was like, I can't even fathom what I'm watching. Um, you were like, hey, screen- kids, come in here and tell the- tell me what's happening. Well, there was a point at which you honestly almost could start bringing in kids because that particular scene melts away. The screen goes <laughs> to just like primary colors flashing at you. And then 
they go through something and I honestly, it's like a bunch of different scenes. It's, there's all sorts of animation going Are on. There's scenes? things layered on top of each and layered. No, it is. It's, it was honestly like some it's sort of, it, it was just Pop vomited art, yes. onto the screen. Yes. And at this point I was like, Oh my gosh, I was supposed to be high while watching this movie. Like, it yes, honestly doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense if you're not, like, and it doesn't make sense if you are, I'm sure. But, like... You have a better w- time with it while it's not. Yeah, yeah you would at least, long. you would at least get into these long, grooving parts and be like, okay, you know, I'm just supposed to flow with this. I, I mean, uh, I, and I wrote down some notes. I was like, are these pieces the this clip is it reused from something else what there was all sorts of modern imagery this is supposed to be like medieval france that this is taking place all right and then all of a sudden we get shots of like hockey there's some black girls kind of dancing and jiving we see like the brooklyn bridge there's a there's wrestling and i wrote down 70s fever dream I would also say, while I'm, I don't know how, where you guys watch this, but I watched it on Tubi because I was just like messing around. It's like, oh, Tubi, it's it's free, and I, that was fine. And then, of course, like I'm watching this movie, and in like right in the middle of that initial rape scene that you see, it stops and it shows me an advertisement for like. 5G at Verizon, man. Which is so jarring. Liberty Mutual Insurance, like, four times. Oh, yeah. That was, was in the original cut of the film, actually. I mean, my God. It was, I was like, do you guys know that your products are being hawked in the middle of, like, a graphic, horrible rape scene? And I was, there's, I mean, I just had to laugh because it was all these generic big box sort of retailers getting thrown into this stuff. But, um, and like, I just, I couldn't quite, like, I couldn't quite understand or fathom why the the director, the, the writers, why they were like, this is what happens after you give yourself to Satan. Like, I don't get it. Please, please explain to me what, what is going on here that this image, this, these, these scenes were supposed to convey to me. I... So it's, Jay, that's you. Okay, oh, you know, I I have my theories. So I, in my little one sentence letterbox review of this movie, I wrote, "This is the witch as directed by George Dunning." George Dunning is the guy who directed that Beatles Yellow Submarine movie. If either yes, you were, excellent, yeah. excellent. And the way this sequence that we're talking about here is animated is right out of that film in my head. It's been a while since I've seen Yellow Submarine, but like from the moment I watched trailers for this movie. That is the connection I made there. Um, stylistically, I think they just kind of did it because this was made in the 70s, and that was just a, I don't know, I, I am not a, an expert in 70s art styles, but I kind of saw that and went, all right, this is a psychedelic 70s thing. I understand. Yeah, I, I honestly... Yeah. It's a nod to the audience, too, because yeah. the audience is in the 70s. Definitely. This movie was made in 1973. Mm-hmm. Um I'll talk about that in a little bit, but this movie was made in 1973. So these were images that played to the audience. And that scene actually was interesting to me as well, because it is two different things happening. There are scenes that are, that read the code very American to me. And then there are scenes that code, there are scenes that code very Japanese, Mm. like, uh, like woodblock print style, like a cartoonish Japanese depictions uh, there was other uh, Japanese pop art in that 
like montage. So is the, you know, are the people who are producing it, the people who are making it, who are Japanese, who are seeing their culture be sort of like taken over by uh, Western culture, are they also making a commentary? And does that commentary mean it ultimately mean anything? But could they be just using this as their little soapbox moment to sort of like highlight uh, the influence of of the realization of the self? Like I, I want to go back <laughs> one second. I want to go back one second so this makes sense. This, the satanic church is not about worshiping some goofy devil with horns for the most part. Uh, the satanic church of Anton LaVey, and I'm not trying to get anyone to go to satanic church, but the, the, the self-espoused like philosophy or the tenets of the church are that you value yourself above others, that you value your, your worth and yourself. Um, and that's something that uh, you can you can be a good person and value yourself. Like, I think this movie in many ways with Jean's transformation throughout it, as you've said, she's doing good things, even if she's in alignment with the devil. And if the devil is the self, if the devil is a manifestation of our selfish wish to have what we want, (laughs) which... (laughs) denying ourselves that is sort of one of the tenets of that era of Christianity of the Catholic church. Right. Um, I think it is, it is a reflection back certainly on that period where, you know, self abnegation was in fact in vogue. (laughs) Um, I would say, I, I still think it was a little bit like the scene doesn't, fully makes sense. And even if they're trying to say, look at all this stuff that's influencing us, or look at all these things that we can do with animation or, or, you know, look at this travel through time and this explosion of what I, I can't quite tell. Are they, are they characterizing it as hedonistic as amoral? Is that the explosion of things that's happening? Or are these things just, just a passage through time? And I, I, I was, think it's, I think it is hedonism, but without the judgment that would yeah that would come with that yeah i i can see that yeah that, that was that was first off sabrina you don't have to convince me to go to satanic church i was ready to as soon as i saw that little penis devil <laughs> but but no I, I i was thinking like the other thought i had with the scene is that yeah at the very, at the very end of the day it is a lot of um it, it's that forbidden fruit thing i think it, it's it's a lot of the idea that there is forbidden knowledge and that she has reached a point where that knowledge is no longer forbidden. And maybe that knowledge is just being represented in, in a very abstract, bizarre way that maybe doesn't work. I, it, it did work for me, and maybe I'm a sucker for that, but I, I really liked it as just like... The, the thing about all of it is, it, does, it doesn't look stylistically like it's even from anywhere close to the same movie. And I kind of think that works. I like that about it. I, I, I do I, like that. It's jarring. Yeah, I, I think it is. And, and, you know, this isn't something the movie dwells on, but it feels like a very alien kind of information overload. And I think the idea that she is going through that kind of complete recontextualization for existence kind of works when you look at how she's different after this. Because she, you know, becomes this... She she fits the part and becomes the the, you know this sort of witch-like figure 
making potions, bringing that one guy back from near death, starting a giant orgy, maybe in the sky. We're not really sure. All, all the yeah. things she does after it's very that. confusing. Like, but but if she becomes that, right? So there was a, a, a line from the movie. And again, I, I have to rely on the translation. But she initially, she's like, she's just disoriented by the fact that she still exists. And she's commenting on the fact that she is beautiful and why isn't she a wizened hag why isn't the evil that she feels sort of reflected in her visage she's given herself to satan she feels like that should be the outcome and he says no you are and maybe it was before the sex scene but he the devil responds you are now even more beautiful than god Um, and maybe that gets back to your point sabrina about the worshiping of the self um, or the or at least Certainly, that's a heretical thing to say. I mean, you cannot, and especially in the 70s, um, whether you're trying to be serious or you're trying to be flippant or, or countercultural, that, that's, not, that's not something you can get away with saying and not be condemned um, because you're, you're putting something above God, anything above God, and you can't be doing that. But it's funny looking at it through the lens of today's morality and, and you know, and sort of the there's still all sorts of taboo and shame wrapped up in sex, but much less so nowadays. And uh, I think there was at that time and all these like orgies that's supposed to be in principle, the work of the devil. But honestly, when you look at the, the life that everyone's leading, like, gosh, it seems like she's only helping people. Like, if you want to go, and the, the, this is another one of the testimonials to the Lord and Lady of the House, where this woman was saying, like, well, you know, I don't want to have any more children, but my husband wants to have sex with me every night. And so I went to her to get some sort of tincture. So now, you know, we can have sex even, and it's wonderful. And even though it flies in the face of God, um, and I'll go to hell for it, we're happy. Uh, and I thought that was particularly interesting because it's kind of like, well, when you step back, it's like, uh, well, don't you want to be like, you want to be happy. And it's un- the only reason that you would not be happy doing this is because apparently God is telling you that sex is only for procreation, which frankly, I think the church has moved away from a wee bit nowadays uh, and is less focused on the fact that sex is only for <laughs> And I mean, maybe that was literally a way to control population or a way to like, well, the, not Bible, have families. the Bible is coded that way. Definitely. Right. Like a lot of the things in there are practical living things for the time period that they were written for. I mean, you're not wrong. Like in the sense of you can eat, you can basically fuck your family to death because you have too many children. You can't keep everybody fed and you all die. If you don't have an organized and rigorous household, like you can't make it. It's not going to happen, and those were the those are the reality back then. Even can though I just use that that pull quote for the show, <laughs> you can literally fuck your family to death. I mean, yeah. you can. <laughs> hey there, I'm Marn, and I've got a new podcast right here on the Orange Groves Network. Every other Thursday on Dead Letter Society, I'm going to invite a friend into my library of terror to discuss a piece of horror fiction. We'll tackle topics like. Why does Stephen King like evil clowns so much? 
Why is IKEA so inherently scary? And why don't young adult publishers like the horror genre? You can even read along with us week to week and weigh in with your own opinions on the Orange Groves Discord. So check out Dead Letter Society, a horror book club podcast, on the Orange Groves Network website or your podcast provider of choice. Hey, Jory, have you ever watched the anime called One Piece? Yeah, Joe. I watch for a podcast that we do. What? You know, we are watching One Piece. I started watching it so you could rewatch it, and then we talk about it sometimes. I, I have I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we don't do it super frequently. Once a month at best. Did, did you forget? We analyze the story and discuss the show's themes, characters, compare it to other media, and how it provides an allegory for real-life politics and events. I, I must have forgotten what... Where can I listen to remind myself? You can listen at the Orange Groves Podcast Network or search for We Are Watching One Piece in your favorite podcast app. What's a podcast? Oh, God, you made me all of a sudden think of, like, Seven and the horrible way in which one of those people died. That was not where I was trying to go. Is. I love where your train of thought is, but I'm going to derail us just a touch oh, to please. go back this... to this ridiculous, like, orgiastic vision that we get. Yes. Um, I mean, it would be impossible Let's talk a little bit about, about Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, some of the images that they just throw at you are ridiculous in the way that a lot of, like, I don't know if it's just like the, the old erotica used to be so ridiculous. <laughs> what, what's hold on? What's what's ridiculous about a man with an entire giraffe for a penis? <laughs> but that was that was after. I, I mean, if we're gonna go, are you talking? You're talking about the orgy that happens. I'm talking about the weird orgiastic a flip book of depravity. <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly. Like, was that? Did that happen? I thought it accompanied the the whole like like there was just one long like like pulsating thing sucking people into it. Yeah, but the thing. sucking people into it was that the townspeople when they started That's... coming to to Jean. Yeah, I just wanted to separate that from the orgiastic scene after she has sex with the devil. Yeah, because so... then go ahead, Jake. Oh, I was, I was gonna say because yeah, it, it's she joins up with the devil. Uh, we see her have that little pop culture explosion. I don't remember if the kingdom is still at war. There's some kind of conflict where some people die. Or no, it's the plague. We the haven't plague talked comes. about the Black Death that I forgot about until just now. Um, the Black Death takes a bunch of lives. There's one guy who is left for dead who winds up in her wherever she is. She feeds a potion. She goes back. To, he, that guy goes back to the townspeople like this, doing a happy little jig. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, this guy's come back to life. How nice. That and, part is so good. Very funny. It's a great visual. And th- I think that's what has people start going to seek her out. Is, is yeah. They say, oh, she brought this guy back from the dead. And then they all come to her and they all have a lovely orgy where we see a snail fuck a clam. We I see mean, a woman get eaten by an alligator from the genitals up. It's, oh it, it's a lot. It <laughs> is so a much lot. peeing in holes. So, so I started so out, much. I started out with, um, you know, after the, the sex scene with the devil, I wrote down in my You don't notes, want to talk about these things anymore. 
70s fever dream. But once we got to this, I, this particular orgy I wrote, it was the psychedelic black death. That's when I wrote, I should be high watching this. And then to top it off, a bad 70s fever dream. Like it's just, it is insane. It's clearly somebody who's like, let's just have the most imaginative, crazy shit we can put on the screen. This is a good place to talk about the music. Um, mm, definitely. The, the guitar music and stuff, the like the jazzy sort of psychedelica, that stuff is is pretty much what you expect, I guess, from that era. Although in a period piece, it, it plays a little differently, I felt. Um, but they also incorporate Japanese like pop enka kaiokyoku of the era. Um, so like if you've ever seen, um, Kill Bill, Mm -hmm. there's music like that in there. It often sounds like, uh, maybe I should just play it for you so that you guys can hear it again because. Yeah. I I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't think of any like specific examples to ask you about off the top of my head. It's, it's almost like the, (laughs) it's almost like the all-star of its time, you know, like it's, it's a little incongruent. Just what I want to a dawn of sadness. <laughs> Somebody hey told me the world was gonna roll. Me. Hey now, you're a witch now. Get your cloak on. <laughs> Start an orgy. Oh man. What did you think? Okay, so what did you think of these choices? Because they, they were very bold. I, the, the guitar, the, the sort of almost like rock opera-ish guitar stuff, mm. I loved. I I really, I, I, I really like music that has no fucking business being in the setting it's in being there anyway when it's pulled off well. And I, I, I really liked that. Outside of that, the rest of it is, like, like I, I know there was good music in it, but a lot of it isn't really sticking with me outside of um, the opening track, which is very evocative, certainly, with the... Uh, the belladonna, the, the sort of repeated belladonna. Um, it's a bit keening. It's a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I was less of a fan of it, Jay, That's than fair. you were. <laughs> I, that that track feels a little bit like it's from a different kind of movie than what the movie is. I feel like. So I, 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 I mean, do... the movie defies a lot of expectations, if sure. you will. Um, and I think that that's the that's what kept it interesting to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jean or Jean, whichever. <laughs> Welcome to the Starlight Lounge. Yeah, so this is a very common uh, Japanese style of of a pop song that was popular during that time. And it's funny if you look at like the the cover of the CD, it doesn't look sad at all. It's very like marketable and like fresh faced and Western looking. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I was not struck by the music except that it was very much a product of its time. Um, it was a lot of synth, a lot of, uh, uh, 
it just it it felt seventies. Had you not told me it was from the seventies, I would have placed it smack dab. Sure. There. Yeah. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that now you would hear like remixed in a bunch of different fifties funk or seventies future funk vaporwave anime music mixes you'd find on YouTube and that kind of thing. Um, that's that's my interfacing with a lot of that kind of music. But no, I I, I found that track like evocative if weirdly not entirely fitting and then the rest of the music i thought was good it was not necessarily what stuck with me the most i do remember going back to the part where the uh the guy comes back to town after being brought back to life by belladonna the music in that is very funny sounding and that is the only other piece of music i really remember that well there was also a like pop song though there was like john to john john to john yeah yeah <laughs> huh. where was john pal john during all of this where i mean it really did feel like that. I'm I'm curious as to this is a when, good this is a good place to talk a little bit about um, what else was popular in 19 what 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 else yeah. was like happening in the culture in 1973 in animation. So in 1973, that's when the U.S. began airing Schoolhouse Rock, uh, the first oh, yeah. episode of the Japanese cartoon uh, um, anime Doraemon which has been, which is still running today, uh, was on air. Ralph Bakshi, who you probably know from Wizards, and uh, uh, he had a movie called Heavy Traffic. Um, Ro- Disney had just put out Robin Hood, so they were kind of on the decline <laughs> as far as how much money they were putting into their animation. And like they had their golden years of like the Snow Whites and all that. And Robin Hood was on the tail end of that. They were like, well, that didn't work. Let's try Furries. right right try inventing furries what if we make furries happen real quick will that help is it shameful that i loved that movie as a kid though it's a good movie oodle lolly oodle lolly golly what a day um but elsewhere like in the world like a lot of the animations that were coming out were geared more towards the adult market and a lot of the stuff that was sort of the paplum was just sort of paused and not happening anymore. Like, um, so we're seeing a lot more uh, in this era, we're seeing a lot more stuff that's trying to be more catering to the adult market. And, and as I was saying before, this was part of anime Rama, uh, which was an attempt to, to get, to make anime that would appeal to that market. Um, and it was not a success <laughs> until much later. It's funny because I went to Osama Tezuka's English um, page and it mentions nothing about this era of his work at all. So that's somebody's trying to cover his tracks. <laughs> that's that's so interesting. Um, but yeah, the jazz mu- music was provided by uh, Sato Masahiko, um, his wife, Nakayama Chinatsu, who's one of these kaiokyoku or uh, pop singers, uh, is there. But um, the song Kanashimi no Belladonna was performed by, it was more like a pop singer, like separate from that project uh, named Tachibana Mayumi. Yeah, I just think that it was, it's an interesting attempt to meld Japanese um some Japanese-ness with a mostly more Western looking and presenting yeah. vibe. Yeah. Uh, I think you, 
you know, like when I first started watching this, I was like, oh, I think I have this poster in my dorm room in 2001. Right. It, it, it's very of a kind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, t- Talking about the sort of art of it. You, you talking about the fact that this movement it was a part of was a failure reminds me of the, the, the talk earlier about, you know, what the budget of it was and where it looks like maybe some things were um, were done for the sake of, of, of saving money or not. That was an interesting conversation I had. And this is a total tangent. I apologize. Um, it just it's made okay. me think of it. Uh, so I, I watched this with my significant other and uh, I, I kind of made that same observation early on in it. Um, but something she pointed out to me that made me think about it a little bit differently is I think there are parts of this movie that tonally really work for what is still and what is not, like what is actively being animated on screen and what mm. is that. Um, that was something she pointed out to me that I, I really think works for it. And if that is because of budget restrictions, because of you know changes they had to make because this push wasn't working, then maybe maybe a more interesting piece of art was created because of that in a lot of ways. But that was just one that, that stuck up to me. Cause you have these scenes like, um, I was talking earlier about, about, about the devil when he's a little, a little, a little, uh, jizz ghost for lack of a better term. If you can't <laughs> find a good term for that little fella. Um, but he's the only thing moving in those shots. You know, it's all these static things. Maybe her eyes are moving. The rest of her face really isn't. But there's something about that that I think kind of works and adds to the quality of this thing. And it's this whole movie has has atmospheric qualities that you know you wouldn't see in something out of anime today, obviously. But also that I feel like I haven't seen out of very much Japanese stuff in my time. And like I I, I haven't like watched a million. I haven't watched all of Japanese cinema or anything. But just it did not feel like. It, it feels very unique for the culture it came out in, even at a very different time long before I have that much point of reference for. I thought it was very storybook-like. Yeah, um, absolutely. And the fact that the mouths don't move, <laughs> for the yeah. most part. Sto- storybook-like, or even... Yeah, I, I guess storybook-like, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, wanna, I don't want this bedtime story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't need a storybook version of this. I don't need the, like, parent doing shadow puppets version of this, especially not during a couple scenes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But no, I, I thought that stuff was effective. Uh, Don, earlier you mentioned these sort of long scrolling shots that happen. That's just one yeah. long... I, I really like those. I think those are... No, and I like, this made it easy this to whole translate. Thing feels I can give like that. It's taking place on giant tapestries hanging in a castle hallway or something, you know? And occasionally parts of it are moving, and I, I, I think I think that style oh, works. I, I was a big fan. I really enjoyed watching this movie. The actual plot of it becomes incoherent. It becomes very hard to parse. You have to chew on it a lot for it to for you to even know what you're tasting. But I, I, I think the way this movie looks and presents itself is fascinating. Well, it has a very unique visual style. I do think that it was tedious at times, but. On the whole, uh, it it was uh, it it did sort of force you to use your imagination. It forced you to extrapolate beyond the characters. Um, I do think that the plot had so many holes that were bordering on fatal. I'm I'm still confused. Does anyone know what the devil was after in this particular movie? Like the devil really? What is the devil ever after? I don't know. How, what do you want the devil to be after? I, I well, 
I grows guess, in power the more she right, and then he reaches to... the apotheosis of his power and does what? Just kind of lets people have sex and have a good time. I mean, here's the thing: when yeah, the devil's just that guy that wants to throw a big party. Yeah, <laughs> you got the man of God behind the Lord of the castle, and they're they're explaining, you know, why they've got to burn Jean. Or they bring they bring Jean in, and they say, you know, we'll give you basically whatever you want. And she's like, no, I want everything. You can't, like, I won't agree to any of your demands. And he is enraged and he kills her. And I think it's at this point that I was like, so exactly who is the devil in this? Is the, you know, we had the Lord starting out clearly evil, like raping the, I mean, it wasn't necessarily the Lord, an amorphous blob, a, a set of, of characters raped um, Jean. But you don't, that's all under the auspices of his authority. And he, he cuts off Jean's hand um, just to, as, a, as a point of enforcement. The, the townspeople are, you know, put upon. Who, who is the devil? Who are the, who, who's good and who's bad? I mean, that's the thing that I wondered if this movie was trying to say something about what's good and what's bad in life and what's good and what's bad in society. And it's, you know, very much a, a reflection back on, um, back on society about its own evils and what you know the nature of what's good and what's bad. We haven't even gotten to the end of the movie, which is its own thing. Where I actually feel it sort of cheapened itself in some ways. <laughs> I, I think I think I think you raise a good question there. So so I, I don't think the devil wants anything. Like I I don't really think of the devil as a character in this movie. I think the devil is just sort of a, a for like a, a thing that happens. You know, like I, I feel like the devil occurs because of what happens to 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 Jean John whichever. <laughs> I, I still keep forgetting which of them is which. Um, I, I I feel like the devil is just there to guide people towards that individualism, towards that you know that seeking of an autonomous, more individual self, whether it's for liberation from something that happened to you or not. Like it is for, for Jean, it's not for the people in town who just go and fuck in the woods. But I, I, I don't think the devil really has a goal. Like the devil, I, I, I think the devil is meant to be something that just comes to those who need that kind of liberation from something that's happened because of the authority, like corrupt authority of others. I, I I don't think there's more to it than that. It doesn't really sound like the devil, uh, honestly. <laughs> it's not the devil you know. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's this movie's it's this movie's reading of the devil. I think that's all up to readings, right? I I, I think I, I think the devil's a neutral party more than anything else. I think the villain of the movie is this this lord who incited this all by raping a woman, and and by you know persecuting her in the end by. Yeah, but he's the one with the with the priest on his side. He's the one with the priest telling him what to do. Yeah, and he's abusing the power of having the priest on his side. He's abusing the assumed authority of that. Right. I, I, I think there's a movie about agreeing with and sort of bowing to the authority of others versus just not doing that. So here's a question. Is the other Jean, the male one who loses the hand, mm-hmm. Is he really all that great a guy? I mean, no. Let's track what he does through the film. Um, he's obviously a victim of a lot of circumstances beyond his control, but at the same time, he's pretty spineless. He, yeah, he's. 
I recently watched I I recently watched Death Becomes Her, which is a movie in which two beautiful oh my God. people fight over a very dorky, very funny, but not worth the fight, Bruce Willis. Um, and, and it's almost like a. It strangely reminded me of that. It was very funny to me that I watched this movie and that movie in the same couple of weeks because I, I, I sat there like, yeah, this guy is absolutely the Bruce Willis of this movie. He's not really worth that. And I, 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 a question I still don't really know the answer is how much it was really about him. Like, do we feel like it was about him by the end or even by a ways into it? No, John, as in my mind, is simply a he's he's a weak everyman. He's, he does not distinguish himself except when it is too late and he is trod underfoot by the king's soldiers or the lord's soldiers. You know, th- there's really nothing redeeming about him. He, he was... He stands for nothing. <clears throat> I think he stands for the everyman. No, but I'm saying, like, he has no principles. I... Uh, as soon as he has a chance to be the foot soldier, to be the, the bootlicker of these powers that wronged him and his beloved he does and of course these are survival instincts and who knows what you do in the same instance like maybe that's a chance to better your life but he literally just ignores john through like the entire movie until he sacrifices himself for her in the end which we're we're supposed to see at least that moment i think we're supposed to see as him stepping up and asserting himself in some way. I mean, I think it is very clear that it is too late. That's the whole point. Right. It inspires others, though. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't inspire also, others. Nobody else steps up. No, but they get angry in a really weird way. Yeah. Their potato y faces start gyrating. They don't start gyrating. They all turn into uh, her they face. Or into I think it's supposed to be Belladonna's face. That's when John's burned. But yeah, when he. Right, okay. But when he. Oh, it's, you're right. Yeah. When he gets shish kebobbed from every angle. Well, I mean, the the interesting thing about that to me is, you know, she is their literal savior and the source of the only joy in all of their lives. And she's about to be killed and they, they can't, they can't all rise up. They, they, mm. the only one who can rise up is Jean. He's killed for it. You know, essentially is anybody better off? than John at the end of the movie who's still alive I who, no, who would they be wait which one's alive no I'm saying John who is stabbed to death they might as well all have been stabbed to death oh yes well that's that's the interesting thing is that it, it might then be about power and where it resides and who has who who actually has it because yeah you said it cheapens it to show the, I don't know if you mean the French revolution or the, the burning at the stake, but um, to have the coda of the French revolution and the women who rose up and to have John Jean, Jean, John Jan's face on all of the people watching, I'm assuming they're women, but it seemed more like no, just it was everybody. People. It was everybody. It seemed more like just general people are transforming into, into her uh, because Ultimately, that inspired. Well, the implication is that it is. Uh, it's going to be the inspiration for the French Revolution. 
right? That these women are the ones who are standing up. And it's a, it's a very sort of throwaway line at the end. It's like, and who were the people at the front line of the French Revolution? It was the women. And I was kind of like, what? But we're, we're tying this to the French Revolution? I think so. I mean, not necessarily, <laughs> but well, if you're going to make that connection, it kind of makes sense that like uh, someone showing you that they can take power from the powerful yeah uh by by their by their suffering i guess she's kind of a saint in the end i think uh, she absolutely I, th- I think she absolutely is and that, that's yeah at the end of the day you, you ask what how is anyone better off they're better off because they are armed with knowledge from seeing all of that happen from living through all of that you know they're not all gene and john but they're the people who got help from John, while she was being the Belladonna of Sadness, the titular Belladonna of Sadness, they're the people who watched her get burned. They're the people who watched him die on a spear for her. Yeah. I, I, I would posit that they are not better off than the uh, than the people that they the, the, than anything else. Yes, they've been through the experience, presumably of the wisdom, but like living through World War II or living through you know Nagasaki doesn't make you doesn't necessarily mean you have a better life because of it. Well, I, I think it's the movie is. I, I think I think the idea is sort of a rebellion begets rebellion thing, right? Like that's why they bring up the French Revolution after that. Is it's those people seeing this one woman's act of rebellion against this corrupt lord in this town, and that inciting other ones from some people who saw that one, not directly. And I agree with you that it's very clumsy how they bring up the French Revolution. They just show you a painting and they just go, as neat. Look at that! Yeah, like, it was just an accident. There was a there was a painting after yeah, after the yeah. one they had on the wall that they were shooting, and they just kept panning because they were in an art gallery <laughs> using the light, that the available lighting. Part of the food court down the hall. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it could have been that. It could have been. It might have just been like the director standing there with a cup of miso yeah. <laughs> soup. Yeah, doing no, a spit take. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I think I think it is just a message of rebellion begetting rebellion, or however, however you'd want to phrase that. I, if, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Like it, it's not perfectly done. And no, yeah, I don't think it's perfect. It is not I think Don's right in that regard. But I, you know, it was it. I'm not going to deny that it is an interesting concept and, you know, what did motivate those women? All right. I don't think it was quite Belladonna sadness style stuff, but, but it, to me it was interesting the, the juxtaposition of who is evil and who is good, because it really doesn't seem like Jean is the good one. This doesn't seem like it should be controversial, but she's always painted as being with the devil. And it's just unclear to me what about this devil is evil and what about Jean is evil, because none of it seems to, none of it seems to stick in my opinion. Yeah, well, I don't think point, anything about the devil is evil, and that's the point. I, I, I think I think nothing about that devil is evil, and that's the point the movie's trying to make. I remembered what I was trying to say before. What I was trying to say is that there is a scene when the 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 the, the powerful man who is either a baron or some kind of church figure, the he big guy, set, he he tries to offer Jean basically whatever he can to wrestle back some of the power that she's taken from him. Uh, And the only way he can assert himself in the end is to burn her at the stake when she makes it clear that there is no way she's going to give up this power that she's taken. And it turns out that when you burn someone at the stake who 
still has power. That power still resides with them. And instead of going back to him as he thought it would, it is dispersed into the crowd. That's really good. I like that. That's how I interpreted that moment. That's an interesting viewpoint. I like that. I like that a lot, actually, yeah. Um, but that's pretty much it for Belladonna of Sadness. I, I think it was one of the most interesting uh, movies we've watched. I wouldn't say that it's one that I'm going to put on repeat well, views. Uh, no, I don't really want to watch it again, to be honest. Uh, but I, And I, it was provocative, absolutely, um, and certainly salacious. But it, I, I don't know that I can recommend it either. I, it doesn't. It didn't spawn a genre. It didn't. Um, it didn't lead to anything else. It is an interesting quirk. I guess the only thing I would say is, if you're going to watch it, it would not hurt to be intoxicated on some substance. Your choice. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it wouldn't have been out of place seeing this in a museum or an art gallery, and then I was it- like. I can see that. Yeah, I, I have I have gone to art galleries where they'll have those like right that room you walk into with a little curtain that you sit down on a bench with four other people who wandered in. And you watch a a strange forty minute film that some art student in 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 I don't know California made. Yeah, it has a little bit of that feeling. I I don't know though. I I it's funny. I feel like I enjoyed this movie. Enjoy is even a weird word because it's a, it's a tragic movie with a lot of unsettling imagery. I feel like I got the most out of this of the three of us in a weird way. I, 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 I was very fascinated by it. It was a kind of fever dream, and it was a fever dream. And I would love to get high and rewatch it while high. Um, but like, it, it was a, it was a kind of fever dream I found worthwhile. And I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I, I wasn't necessarily thinking about what it would or wouldn't have spawned. I, I kind of liked it almost because I didn't know about any of that. I liked it as this very isolatory weird flash in a pan of a work of an hour and a half of my life that I got to spend with it. And I think if you just want to watch a really unique animated thing that I don't know what else is quite like, I I, I think it can be worth your time for that. It's interesting. And uh, I think, I think it says it, it, it has an interesting presentation compared to a lot of other stuff that's out there. Uh, a lot of the stuff we watch, sometimes it can seem very samey. Um, but anime, I've heard, it's not just a genre; it's a it's a media that sure. it's a format. Sure. Yeah. You know, you can tell lots of different stories within that idea. And I've never even like limited this show to just animation from Japan. I always put the beyond part after when I say anime from Japan and beyond, because I think that it, there's possibilities of finding something like this in another country that is still in conversation with anime as a genre, as a, as a format, as a medium. But thank you, Jay, for joining us. It has been a real pleasure yeah, of course. This this has been this has been great. Yeah, I, I was I was thrilled to hear your thoughts, Jay. People should definitely check out Jay's other podcasts, including the Marmoset Chronicles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Marmoset Chronicles, which has ended. Uh, that is a complete twenty episode. If if you like, like it, it is. It's a podcast about movies, so it sort of fits. Um, 
Fuck it, I'll talk about it in the out of context. It's a podcast about a series of movies that don't exist, and it's us improving them into existence as if they do. It, it's it's a very fun twenty episode thing my friend and I made earlier this year that was uh, a great time. So I've got that. I've got Dishcourse coming in twenty twenty one, which is going to star various people on the Orange Groves Network. We will talk more about that in the new year, I think. And uh, that's essentially me. Yeah. Well, Jay, uh, good luck with the rest of this pandemic. I hope it ends oh. soon. I hope you get vaccinated or whatever it ends up being. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, I'm vaccinated. vaccinated. I'm curious. Or, or you come down with it. Is that what is that what you're suggesting should happen to Jay? Jay, I hope you, you know, get vaccinated or get sick. Either way, that's fine with sure. me. Well, yeah, it's you get vaccinated or you I'm get naked. I'm on ayahuasca. I don't know what you're talking about. It's either you get vaccinated or you get naked and dance in front of a pentagram in a big field. It's certainly one of the two. It's certainly one of the well, two. Once you find your, your demon penis sprite that starts bopping around you, you know the writing's on the wall. Mm-hmm. Look at these fucking professionals bringing it all back to the movie we talked about. You guys are great. Anyway, everybody, thank you for listening. This has been Okushina Podcast Anime with Friends. We will, I don't know what we're doing next week, so I guess you're going to have to find out. (laughs) But uh, thank you again to our guest. And if you want to find out more about us and definitely come and suggest like cool content for us to cover because we will watch anything. Uh, Go to our Twitter. It's Okushina Podcast, O-K-A-S-H-I-N-A Podcast. Um, Just come tell us what to watch and you know share your memes with us we love it anyway we always end the show jay with a traditional saying oh boy um, it's let's be peculiar okashiku ikoyo and so on the count of three let's all do it together okashiku ikoyo good enough <laughs>